And God, we thank you for the songs of this season, the songs that draw us to the simplicity of a birth, a birth that changed the world, the simplicity of one teenager who was simply open to you. Draw us again to the real meaning of this season, love and sharing and being present to you as you are so present to us. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. It is so easy for the Christmas season just to fly by us, for us to not really even experience what this season is all about. Our call this season has been to make sense of Christmas by really experiencing it. So the first Sunday of Advent, we talked about the miracle of smell and the smells of the season. Last week, our sanctuary choir sang so we were able to hear the season. And today, we will experience one of our favorite senses, the taste of Christmas. In a few moments, we'll be tasting at the table and experiencing communion in a little bit different way in terms of really experiencing the texture of it. But as you think about this season, think back on what foods you associate with the Christmas season. In my family, every Christmas Eve, we ate tuna salad at midnight. Anybody else eat tuna on Christmas Eve? <laughs> now, about 15 years into doing this, um, I remember asking my mother, why do we eat tuna on Christmas Eve of all things? And our best guess is that it started on my mother's side of the family back during the Depression. Almost every day during the Depression, my mother's family would eat beans for just about every meal. Tuna was a luxury, so it was something that was celebrated on Christmas Eve, and my family still does that to this day. The taste of Christmas, it, it, it takes us back to what really matters, family and relationship. It, it's not just about food. It's about sharing. What are some of the foods that, that you associate with, with Christmas season? You can go ahead and call them out. Oyster stew. Got I hear over here. Oyster dressing. A lot of oysters. <laughs> Folks from, what else? Lasagna. Wow. Cottage cheese and pineapple. <laughs> now, amazingly enough, I didn't hear one person say fruitcake. <laughs> fruitcake has really gotten a bad rap in recent years, but I, for one, will admit that I am a closet fruitcake eater. <laughs> and recently, one of my friends actually admitted to liking fruitcake. So I actually drove around trying to find fruitcake, and you can't even find it anymore hardly. I finally found this little $4 loaf of fruitcake at Kroger. So I gave it to my friend just as kind of an early Christmas gift. And he was so excited. He said, I have a dinner tomorrow night. I'm going to take this fruitcake to that dinner. <laughs> and I said, you know, you probably ought to eat it in the privacy of your own home. <laughs> Any other closet fruitcake lovers? Oh, more than you might expect. <laughs> All right. Our call today is to really get back to that sense of taste and to not just taste on a surface level but to taste on a deeper level and that's exactly what's happening in our scripture today from Psalm 34 
In fact, the psalmist sees taste as such a powerful sense that he actually uses taste as a way of approaching God. So our call today is not just to hear the scripture, but taste it. To taste it as David writes. When David described his relationship with God, he used the sense of taste. If anyone has tasted and seen that God was good, it was David. David's heart was consumed with the pursuit of God. He didn't just nibble on life with God, he feasted on life with God. When David thought about his life with God, it caused him to worship. He couldn't help but praise God and for good reason. David had discovered firsthand that when you call out to God, God answers. God answered not by being the kind of God who could get David out of the jam he was in, but by being the kind of God who could make an everyday difference. David didn't just have a crisis experience with a get-me-out-of-a-mess God. David knew an everyday relationship with God. So when David wrote, taste and see that God is good, he did not have a bite-sized sample in mind. David feasted on his life in God. David said, taste it, feast on it, experience it. Not just once in a while, but every day. The scripture says it was continually on his lips, this sense of praise, this sense of experience. Feast on life. Yet even as David was writing and saying, taste and see that God is good, he was writing from a place of experience that acknowledges that Sometimes not everything we taste is good. Perhaps there's someone here this morning who has a bitter taste in your mouth because of what you're experiencing in your life. When David says taste and know that God is good, he's not saying that life is always good. He's saying that God is always good. That God is there to experience and taste life with us. Remember growing up, mom would say, just try one bite. <laughs> I was a little more open to different foods than my brother. I remember he used to cry through every bite of spinach. We'd ask him what his issue was with spinach, and he said, even one bite, it's like half of it's on the fork and the other half is already in your stomach. <laughs> taste and know that God is good, and sometimes life gives us things we'd rather not taste. If there's something I didn't want to eat, I'd try to sneak it under the table to the, to the dog. But the truth is, as adults, there are some things that we have to taste all the way through. And we have no choice but to clean our plate. And we can't sneak it under the table. We simply have to experience it. So when David says, taste and know that God is good, he was speaking from his own experience of a life daily lived. A life where God was present. Continually experience God. Continually taste and know that God is good. So the call here is not just to taste, but to actually savor. In our attempts to help others, we can do spiritual harm to ourselves. 
In our rush to do good, we eat on the run. Grabbing a sandwich that we eat standing up or eat going out the door or eat while driving. We don't even notice the little pieces of food that we drop everywhere, the forgotten crumbs. In our rush, we forget that Jesus set the table for a feast of life, abundant life, joy-filled life, a life where every single day we can know intimacy and friendship with God. Jesus invites us to do more than sample an occasional taste of grace. Jesus invites us to sit down at the table day in and day out, at Christmas and Easter and every Sunday in between. In fact, every day in between. With Jesus, life is a feast. So put a flower on the table, light a candle, turn on soft music, eat slowly, come home, savor, be present to yourself and to God. Then see how your presence to others takes on a feast-like quality. Don't just taste it. Savor it. Experience it. Don't rush so much. Our scripture today is calling us to live on that deeper level, that relational level, to experience the fullness of what God wants to offer us. David said, taste and see that God is good. One way God showed that amazing goodness was sending Jesus. And Jesus takes this whole idea of God's goodness even further, modeling it for us and saying in John 10.10, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Don't just taste it on a superficial level. Experience it from the inside out. Slow down enough to know that God really is good and God is present. So the call today is not just to taste it, but to savor it. But ultimately, it's not just about us. It's about sharing. It's about going further with that tremendous gifting. And in a world that hoards and controls, sharing in itself is a miracle. This season we've talked about the miracle of life, the miracle of sharing. And my vision for resurrection is that we would be a church that never tries to hoard a miracle. That we would be a congregation that constantly believes in taking the miracle that God's creating here and sharing it beyond these walls. Behind the poinsettias today is a basket that represents the over 70 baskets that we'll be sharing with our neighborhood. This is one of the miracles of Christmas and in a few moments we'll be blessing that. Our God is a God who says, I have come to you that you might experience the fullness of life, that you might taste the texture and the richness and the depth of life to live more truly and more deeply. This year when we talk about being miracle makers, we're talking about sharing. And I'm amazed at the miracle that God is creating in our midst because the real miracle is a miracle of sharing. It's entering the new season strongly. And I want to praise God that this is a congregation that is willing not only to taste and to savor, but to share. And I want to give you an update on where we are with the miracle on 11th Street. 
As I shared that first week, my goal for us as a congregation was to finish the year strong so we could truly serve our community more deeply. My goal was to see us raise over $50,000 above our regular tithes and offerings by Christmas Eve. The board of directors first came forward with pledges of over $10,000. The staff and the council then joined and last week we announced that we were over $20,000 in pledges. The good news is that as of last week, not only did we receive over $20,000 in pledges, but we had actually $20,000 received in hand. You came forward then with your pledges and your gifts, and I am pleased to announce that as of today, you have come through with pledges or gifts of $39,361. There is a miracle growing in our midst, and we still have a week to get the rest of the way there. Many of you were able to, last week, submit your Miracle Maker cards, your commitment to pray and to go deeper. And uh, the basket is still here. If, if you've already become a Miracle Maker, we thank you for that. But if you've been praying on that throughout this week, there's a basket here. We invite you to either uh, place your card there after the service or perhaps during communion or put it in the offering plate if you've already stepped forward as a miracle maker we want to say thank you because the real miracle is that miracle of reaching out and sharing and multiplying that gift and when we taste we can't help but think about what that taste really is and that includes the taste that we experience at communion Communion changes how we think our, about food. When we break bread, we are called to rethink who is welcome at the table. Then, we cannot help but take bread out to those who have no bread at all. At God's table, there is plenty of elbow room. We find ourselves sitting next to those who would normally be strangers. The hungry find themselves filled the family of Christ shares fully in Christ's feast. If you're comfortable, take the hand of someone nearby as we go to our God in prayer. God of grace and God of mercy. God who has given us the senses to experience you. Today, help us to constantly realize that you are a God who seeks to minister beyond this place to a community that is hungry a community that's ready to taste what you have to offer. May there always be more than enough room at your table that all may come and taste and know that you are good. Jesus Christ, giver of grace, have mercy on us as individuals. Jesus Christ, giver of grace, have mercy on this your church. Jesus Christ, giver of grace, have mercy on your world and hear the prayers of your people who pray. Amen.